Hello, and welcome to the Bubbly and Baseball podcast, hosted, as always, by Ed Hand and Bailey Von Schneider. If you love drinking sparkling adult beverages, and you also happen to love baseball, then we would love for you to join us every Sunday. So, without further ado, here are Bailey and Ed. Hey everybody, welcome back for our second episode of Bubbly and Baseball. We appreciate everybody that listened to our first one. We've got some great feedback from y'all on Twitter, hearing from you. Really, really, really appreciate that. Oh, I know. I, I every, every time we see any semblance of feedback, I'm always a little surprised. So it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's It's nice. I'm doing it for your attention. That's people yes, that are we, listening to this. <laughs> yes, we, we, we want you to listen to us, so thank you for actually listening to us, like we said. And and who knows what it could be. Like, I do this a little earlier in the morning than Ed, so um, I had my protein shake this morning, but that's all. So I'm not on a huge, um, like, a huge meal. So we'll see um, how this uh, bubbly hits us today, or at least I me. actually <laughs> went out last night and had uh, two sour beers and a uh, can of sake. So Whoa. I don't usually drink that much, but <laughs> apparently this doing this since last week, it's, it's triggered me a little bit. Now um, you're just like, I need to oh, drink all of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, now, like, this just just, just turned me right, right back into an old alcoholic, you know? Like oh, God. Return to college, Ed. <laughs> But um, what's the uh, – so I've got the, the bubbly that uh, yeah, you recommend. So, you tell me a little bit about this before yeah, I drink it? So it's called a Frischnate, like Frischnet. That's how it's pronounced. I had to look it up because I was always – like I've always been really into it because it's the very, very affordable. And it comes in like a, like this all-black bottle, which I'm like super into. So yeah. like very eye-catching. So like right. with the marketing aspect of it for sure. But – it's nice. It's a cava. It's from Spain. You can get it, like, for me, uh, I always get most of my alcohol at Trader Joe's, but obviously, like we discussed before, Ed doesn't have that luxury. <laughs> no, I went to, like, the like the fancy wine store down the street from my house while I was uh, earlier this morning to get it, and I was kind of like, hey, I don't know if you have this here, and I took out, like, my phone and showed them it, and they were like, oh, yeah, we, we have that one. Yeah, yeah, they, it's it's they, if you go to a fancy wine shop, they're probably going to turn up their nose because, you know, it's not Moet or Cristal or any of that. But what I like about it is nice and dry. Uh, you know, it doesn't have a sweet like an overtone of sweetness. It's very effervescent. It's from Spain and it's really cheap. And I love the taste of it for being like a cheaper wine, you know, I mean, uh, a sparkling. Technically, it's a sparkling wine because it's obviously not from the Champagne region, but. The point is, it tastes pretty good for yeah. what we get paid for it. And that's considering that we don't have sponsorship and uh, both of us are, are working class saps. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's what, sort of what we need. Yeah, our, yeah. Our sparkling wine. Until we start building our fan base, thanks to Our working people. class sparkling wine. <laughs> yeah, and then we can go from, you know, Moet and Chandon want to, like, send us bottles. Like, we'd be into that. But as for now... We're going to be tasting more affordable ones because we know that the people that listen to us, too, probably can't go out and get the Moets or the, the Dom Perignons. If you can, awesome, jealous. But if you can't, there's some good ones, like if you're having some friends over, if you're having just like a really nice um, brunch, like something really affordable that actually doesn't taste like poop is how I look at it. 
I am not a big fan of that new poop flavored sparkling wine. I really don't know who that's being marketed towards. Yeah, those people. Yeah, I don't get those people, but you know. Yeah. So, so how, uh, how how much baseball were you following this week, Bailey? Did you uh, did you what did you think of the what was it three signings that happened? Four now. Oh, have there been that many so far? Yeah, there was. Okay, there was the Andrew Heaney one. Yes, yes. Oh my God, I want to get eight million dollars to be terrible at my job. So. 8.5 million, actually. Oh, my God. That is great. I did, like, I did look. It's interesting. Something with, somebody with, like, Andrew, Andrew Heaney, like, he went in the first round. Like, there's potential there. So, like, I'm thinking that the Dodgers are hoping they're going to catch on to potential. Because if you look at his, like, uh, Savant page, there is some some things where that, like, skew towards, like, middle of the road to pretty good. And then there are just, like, other things where you're like, oh, that's too much blue. But, like, you could potentially see the potential in somebody like Andrew Heaney. But, uh, and he just mystifies the Red Sox, so. He's been around for a while, and everybody is always hyped about this being, like, the number two, number three starter of the future for the Angels. And then, yeah. obviously, he never really did that. And then he got traded to the Yankees and somehow managed to do worse. But, oh, yeah, it. I <laughs> I, I think it's. I think that what you're saying is is probably accurate though. That the Dodgers they saw something with him, maybe in his pitch, pitch selection, maybe in his wind up, maybe there's been something mechanically off. But they saw something yeah. and they think they can fix it, and they're confident enough that they were like, here's eight, here's eight and a half million dollars. Then the Cardinals are bringing back T.J. McFarland, uh, lefty okay. reliever. Another lefty reliever signed with the Yankees, uh, Julie Rodriguez, I think. Oh, did he? Yeah, because I know yeah, a lot of like back. a lot of Red Sox fans were like, "Oh, we want Julie," and I was like, oh. "He random left." You know, the Sox have Taylor and Hernandez and mm-hmm. Big Fudge, probably another one or two that they pick up. Like that's one of the that's one of the easier things to find is like uh, your is your lefty reliever. And I remember people were like, "Oh, like let's just pick Rodriguez for." Like, Hernandez, and I was like, people are just completely given up on Darwin's, and there's still flashes of just brilliance. He's, like, he's his stuff's completely electric, he's not that old, and he's still only, like, 24 or 25. Yeah, so I'm, like, like giving it's, it. The mechanics just take longer to develop. I mean, Randy Johnson's a weird case, too, because he was 6'10", but he didn't, people forget, he didn't really pitch that well until his late 20s. Like, these guys sometimes take time to develop. Yeah, especially when you're that big. And, yeah, for sure. So I'm just like, are you really willing to just give up on, like, Darwin's and Hernandez? I'm like, I'm not. Like, okay. It's not like he's not even, like, arbitration eligible yet either. So it's not like he's costing you anything. He costs you, like, nothing. And potentially, it's like the big problem is when he throws, he has no idea where it's going. That's the issue. But it's it's electric, like you said. There are going to be guys like that that take time to work through their control. And, you know, he's the kind of pitcher that for one beautiful, fantastic season might put it together and have a Koji year, like Koji in 2013. Oh, I mean, different type of pitcher, but those kind yes. of numbers. And then, you know, like blow out his arm or something. But oh, he okay. still has that. He, he is that. His arm is that good, though. That So I don't know why people would be saying that about old Darwin's. And, but then the last one just happened today. Mm-hmm. Colorado's bringing back uh, old Red Sox, uh, Joe. Chalice Chassin, if you remember him. Oh, I do. Three, four years old now. Uh, uh, none of these guys. Hey. None of these guys were top thirty, which mm-hmm. is what we're doing today. We're doing our top thirty free agents list, so that's good because we didn't have to rewrite the the map or anything. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, none, none of. It's interesting that people are going this early, though. I know that, like you said, they're not top thirty, but it's still interesting. I think people are just. 
afraid of like a stoppage and it's like, well, I know if I sign on the dot, like I'm getting mine type of thing. Yeah. Well, I think some of it's also like, okay, we know these guys, we know from like a team building perspective, it's like, we know these are the guys that we want, so we're going after them. Yeah. And I think from the player's perspective, they don't know what the agreement is going to be and maybe what they would get would be worse if they wait, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they just don't know. know. So I think that we could see before September, before December 1st, I think we could see some big-name players sign. I do think it's possible. Yeah, I know there were, there were rumors that, like, Semyon wanted to be signed by, like, December 1st. And I was like, damn, like, that's early. Yeah, him and Seeger. I think I, I think we've gotten so used to these, like, late-developing ones where it's, yeah. like, signing until friggin', like, after Christmas. And, yeah, or J.D. just strolls in late to spring training because he's still yeah, not like, signed. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's me, J.D. Martinez. Nobody wanted to sign me. You guys were right. Where you still got that $100 million with opt-outs lying around. Yeah, and then I'm not going to utilize any of the opt-outs because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> like, Yeah, that was one. I was surprised that he didn't opt-out, actually. Yeah, I'm actually very shocked about that, too. I was kind of hoping that we were going to, like, save some money. But, I mean, it's not – it was, like, a win-win for the Red Sox because you're still, like, J.D. overall still had a very solid, solid season, great bounce back. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, he was a value to the 2021 Red Sox, but then you could have just like utilized that money where you could have for sure been like, we're going to go hard after Schwarber. We're going to bring him, whether or not they bring him back or not. It's like, you can go extra hard at him and you can still allocate some of that money for, you know, other free agents. Yeah. I, but you know, I, I think that getting to keep JD Martinez, he's like, from what I know about him in the clubhouse, he's kind of like having another hitting coach there also. He's very, yeah. um, Cerebral when it comes to his um, approach to hitting, and that, that's good for the other players too. Oh, I absolutely! Think. I think I think the because while he's still not the most patient hitter, like if you look statistically wise, Devers did improve off on like his patience this year, and I think a lot of that had to do with JD because I know he spent time with JD and just and then of course Xander is an extremely patient hitter, so like just working with the two of those are only going to make you know Rafael Devers an even better hitter, which is yeah. terrifying for people. <laughs> oh, I love Devers. I love why just, like, how much he's improved with each season, too, even if the yeah. statistics don't always show it. His, yeah. his bat's just gotten so much better. It's so true. Like, while everything hasn't been exactly like, like his 2019 numbers, but they were, like, so close. And just to know that, like, it, it's only going to get better. And his patience did improve over you know, like, the his, like, 2019 numbers, you know, and his power improves over 2019 numbers. So, like, while <clears throat> certain numbers might, <clears throat> Jesus, my voice, Ugh. while certain numbers uh might not be as good as they were in 2019, you can still see where he is improving in other ways to just be like, it's going to all come together even more. And that's why I think priority number one this offseason for High and Bloom is get that extension going, man. Get that yeah, extension I, going. I couldn't agree more with you on that. But um, as much as we are, we both clearly are Red Sox fans, this mm-hmm. list is not just Red Sox nope. free agents. It's um, everybody in baseball where we think they're and where we think they're going to end up. Yeah, so which could be very wrong. We're just having fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, like none of us, we are by no means uh, qualified to determine this. Yeah. Uh, we are two random people that like baseball with internet connections. Uh, we have no access to agents or what the team's plans are. This is just our own theories. Um, 
So that being said, we had two, a couple of players that are honorable mentions that didn't quite make our top 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was we each came up with lists of 30, and for the most part, they were matching. Yeah, but there were close. a couple, and, you know, so it, it, we couldn't put all of them on. Um, mm-hmm. So a few of the ones that are not, that just missed making the list, um, Marcana from uh, currently with the A's, good on-base guy, good, does a little bit of everything, nothing fantastically, a little bit on the older side, so I think that that yeah, was a little, a little bit why he missed it. Um, and then uh, Zach Grinke was mm-hmm. uh, one of Bailey's picks that uh, did not end up being put on the list. Yeah, it's he's so close. Like, if this was, like, Zach Greinke, you know, when he was with the Dodgers, and you, you got him up there high on your list, but, you know. Yeah. Getting um, older. <laughs> yeah, for me, that was the issue is just that he's lost a lot of his velocity. Yes. So, you know, there's a big difference. I'm sure he can still pitch. He's going to be fine mm-hmm. for this year, but there's a big difference between even Greinke throwing 93 at you versus throwing 91 at you. Um, and true. then Michael Pineda was another narrow miss uh, yeah. from the list. Who, um, you know, pitcher for a while with the, uh, came up with the Yankees, got in trouble with the pine tar there. I remember that game. But what's in between all of this is that he's always pitched pretty well, around a 3.80 ERA, that's those sort of numbers. For, mm-hmm. But he also has an injury history, and with all of those other things, it was just, you know, this, was the, this wasn't, uh, there, there, there were better options than him. Yeah. So... With that being said, um, let's go down and uh, we can get started here. Yeah, and, let's do it. Yeah, so uh, starting at number thirty um, is, and I don't, I don't know what the general consensus with this player is, but I had uh, Noah Syndergaard for number thirty on the free agency list uh, of top free agents that are going to be available. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Syndergaard is uh, an ace with the Mets for a while now. He kind of, you know, he's not Jake DeGrom, but nobody else in baseball is Jake DeGrom. Um, right. So he would be an ace on any other team. But yeah. a couple years ago, Tommy John surgery hurt himself, has had some injuries throughout his mm-hmm. career. Um, and he also had a lot of setbacks this time around. Um, yeah, he made, he ended up making just, I think, one start, right? I think it was either, yeah, I think he got, I don't remember if it was one start or, like, one start, one relief appearance or something. I think he got into yeah. two games. Yeah, it was just, like, it's it's interesting that the person that came back from the Tommy John surgery, the best of the guys that, like, went down between Sale, Severino, and Syndergaard was Sale. Like, yeah. knock on wood, like, everything, everything went swimmingly for Sale. So for the Red Sox, that's great. But, yeah, it's interesting that, like, you have somebody like Syndergaard. I think Syndergaard pushed himself a little too much because it was like he was showing all these things like on Instagram, like throwing shirtless and just trying to thirst trap. But outside of that, um, it, it looked as if he was almost pushing himself too hard to get back and then hit that setback. And yeah, so it's, it's really like sort of, so 30 scenes, the potential's there to just be, like you said, be an ace, but yeah, leaving him at 30, it's because he is that question mark really. Yeah. You just, he hasn't pitched, Really, and since 2019, mm-hmm. which wasn't even that great of a season for him. He had a 4.2 ADRA. He did throw a lot of innings, had a lot of strikeouts, but he also led the league in a runs given up that year. So, mm. now, was he probably pitching some of that season hurt? Yeah, most likely. Yeah. He missed a big chunk of 2017 as well. So, you know, there's... 
he's going to have to figure out a better way to pitch or else uh, he's he's not going to be able to really be there for the long haul. But yeah. 29 years old, still on the right side of 30, and still has that great potential to be the Thor of old. Yeah, because he, when he's on, it's it's electric. Like, we, we've all seen it. It's it's great. But, yeah, the, the big question will be, like you said, like, he, he got offered the qualifying offer. So I personally think that he'd be dumb not to take it. It's, 18, what, $18.4 million? Yeah, yeah. Teams are going to be a little – it's going to be harder for him to decide with the qualifying offer if he turns it down because then they have to give up a, a draft pick. Exactly. Um, yeah. I I think he would be a good bet to stay with the Mets on that contract. Uh, uh, so at 29, we have Alex Cobb. And um, it's interesting. It's like sort of – I think that Ed and I have had sort of like bad flashbacks to, you know, Tampa Bay's Alex Cobb and thinking, oh, my God, is he is he good? Is he bad? Because, you know, like, like where is he as a pitcher? And actually, his 2021 – for the Los Angeles Angels was like actually like really good. Like he had a three seven six ERA, three nine five expected ERA, a two nine two FIP, which was like two nine two FIP is fantastic. So he had himself like a really solid season for the Los Angeles Angels. So I think that twenty like twenty nine definitely still feels like a good spot for him because, like, he's going up against, like, people, like, we're, we're talking, like, legit, some legit aces are on, even if they're a little older, even if you have, like, you know, Max Scherzer being older, even if you have sort of uh, Clayton Kershaw being a little older, like, Alex Alex Cobb fits fits well, at, especially if you're looking for, like, a 3-4 starter. You're not looking for that ace. Like, he's out there, and he pitched one hell of a 2021 season for the Angels, you know? My only question with him, and now he's 33 years old, mm-hmm. and he only pitched older. 93 innings last year. So my only question is, what, what the, was it an arm-related injury? Was it, like, a hamstring? Like, what was, what kept him from staying in that terrible rotation the whole year? <laughs> right? Yeah, oh, God, poor, like, poor, the Angels need to, like, go do an overhaul like uh, there have been there have been rumors of you know improve going out and getting pitching but uh yeah so he had a right wrist injury so that's 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 tricky too because he's a right-handed pitcher so yeah that's why he did miss a, a good portion of you know 2021 was because of that that wrist injury so yeah that is concerning but Overall, in the in the sample size that he did have, he did pitch effectively, and like you said, the Angels are terrible pitching. So to have anybody sort of show up at all for them uh, w- was great for them. But yeah, I don't know. So I, that that team as a whole, I really did the. Oh my God, we have two of the best offensive players in the game. One who can pitch a little for you too. Um, just be honest. If Mike Trout went out there and pitched, probably better than half the Angels. At least certainly from, look, last, I mean, Heaney was in that rotation last yeah. year, so he had the year that uh, that we were talking about before. So, yeah, not a not a good place to be if you're a pitcher. Yeah, hopefully they can go out for their sake, for Mike Trout's sake, for Shohei Otani's sake, for their fans' sake, even though their fans are kind of assholes. If you're listening here and you're Angels fans, I don't believe all of you are. But I, I sat the first, I went there for when the 
the Red Sox were there, and that's when the Red Sox sort of started to poop themselves in the second half was at that series. So they won the first game, and my mom and I had, like, really good seats. Fans were, like, lovely. Then we had progressively worse and worse seats, and by the time we had the worst seats, it was all, like, drunk college dudes that were obnoxious. So I'm like, pay, pay for some better seats because you're not going to get the drunk college bros that think their their team is great even though they haven't even been relevant for, like, a decade. When was the last time the Angels made the playoffs? 2011, I'm pretty sure, was the – I think that's the only time Mike Trout has been in playoff baseball. And, you know, people can say, oh, it's Mike Trout's fault for signing there. One, Mike Trout showed loyalty. Two, they said, here's $426 million. You're going to kind of be like, nah. And it's Southern California, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can afford to live out there. I don't know why you'd want to live somewhere else, so. Yeah, and there, here's like 426 and where Angel Stadium is, too. It's down in Orange County. You can live in, like, you can live right by the beach and like your beautiful beach house and it doesn't take you too long to get to the get to the stadium like oh yeah i mean have you ever had to move i had to move i moved from one side of town to the other this summer and it was like the worst experience i've had in years i can't imagine if you take a deal with the yankees or something like that moving cross country no i don't want to do that or going to still making hundreds of millions of dollars doesn't make a difference to me and you're still right now still the highest paid person and whether or not you're you undervalued yourself you're still the highest paid baseball player in major league baseball you're still when healthy the best player in major league baseball and he probably he's kind of like a he's kind of like a quiet dude that probably likes that like he can walk around anaheim and people probably don't know who he is they could be different if you played in boston you played in new york you go to philadelphia like if he went home i think a lot of people the dodgers honestly yeah true so you're just sort of like, so for his, what it, what seems like his personality, like that all seems to potentially appeal to him, uh, to a Mike Trout. But for his sake, hopefully they, uh, you know, some of these pitchers that we're going to be like talking about, hopefully some of them decide maybe I'll, I'll go play with Otani and Trout and try to help them pitch a little better for their sake, at least. I'll tell you who I don't think is going to sign there, though. Alex Cobb. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going back there. I think. Um, yeah. I actually think Cobb is going to the Royals. Interesting. Two-year deal. Seems sort of like a right-handed Mike Miner type move. They mm. have a young rotation coming up. He is the perfect piece. They have a bunch of lefties there, too, in mm. uh, Bubik and uh, one of the guys that's coming up, I believe, Asia Lacey is. Uh, is Asia Lacey oh, lefty? Yeah. I actually don't know if that if he mm. is or not, but they, like, yeah. they, they need a veteran arm, and Cobbs mm. would be a good fit for that team. Yeah, no, I, that, that makes so much sense. I said, uh, I said, uh, I said the Red Sox. I said the team that we're fans of only because the Red Sox are sort of looking for, really looking for that 3-4, especially if they don't get Eduardo Rodriguez. But even if you bring back Eduardo, um, like he could slide in for like a nice 4-5, you know, somebody who's gonna, who had a pretty good season, but because he was injured and because he was limited, he's probably not gonna cost you as as much as he would uh he is a he grew up a fan of the red sox um he's not from uh the massachusetts area but uh his family is so he's sort of so like the idea of like sort of like a homecoming thing you might even be able to get him on a little cheaper if you're like enticing him hey come pitch for your boyhood team type thing i think just throwing i think the red sox just really need to go go after starting pitching and go after people that have like, you know, pretty much a veteran, whether or not they're good or bad or otherwise, because you can't really 
bank on a rotation that puts just Hauk and Whitlock in it without, you know, sort of having like a, a fallback because you can't, you can't really be like, oh, they're both going to be, they're going to both be fine. It's like, we don't know that if you want to make either one of them a starter, you want to make one, you want to make the other, you both. Like, you're not sure. So I think they need to really go out and get sort of like a, a veteran presence without paying like a top dollar. So that's yeah. why I think Alex Cobb would, would work. But like, you also make a great case for him going somewhere there too. And it, like, there's like no pressure in Kansas City either. Just go no, on pitch, you know? There is pressure. pressure. Fans are super chill. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is going to just come down and tell you you did a great job and look lovingly right? into your eyes like... Who you know, I don't think I don't think KC would be a bad location. The sexiest man alive knows your name if you're Alex Cobb and you go sign there. Yeah, that is because Paul Rudd is. That is, case. I hadn't thought of that, but you are correct. Um, mm-hmm. I do think though that you, what you said makes sense with Cobb and the Red Sox. He does because also, and we're going to talk about him later. But with Eddie Rodriguez possibly leaving, they're not bringing back Martin Perez. Nope. There's, uh, there, there's some depth that uh, Garrett Richards probably isn't coming back, so there's some starting rotation depth that they're going to need to fill in. And Cobb as a number four starter, you can do worse than that. So, yeah, uh, that's 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 I, I think that that's a pretty viable uh, location spot for him. Um, at 28, uh, we have Michael Conforto. Mm. Uh, so Conforto. Uh, you know, he's been a Mets outfielder for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, really picked a bad time to have the worst season of his career this he year. He really because, did. Yeah. He slashed 232, 344, um, on base percentage, 384 slugging percentage. So the walks mm-hmm. are nice. Everything else really took a hit, though. Um, now, this is compared to his career average, which is uh, 255, 356, and then big difference here, 468 for his slugging percentage. Yeah, so his power really went down. Yeah. And he was playing hurt. He only got 479 plate appearances. You know, so, And this was also with the Mets, who kind of, like, I feel like it's hard to entirely qualify the second half of the season there just because things really got bad in a hurry. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. They they And they went sort of, like, all in, too. You know, like, trade, they traded um, Crow Armstrong for Baez. Yep. And, then, and Armstrong is not, and that's not a nobody prospect. Oh, no. First round pick so far lived up to little bits of the hype. So that wasn't, like... It was a nobody move. Yeah, the Cubs had themselves one hell of a a deadline with acquiring talent. (laughs) That's got to be fun to be like whoever covers their minor league system. That's got to be a lot of fun right now. Right. They've got Um, quite a bit of talent down there. But back with Conforto, he actually Mm -hmm. had a spectacular 2020 in the shortened season where he hit uh, 322, 412 on base percentage, 515 slugging percentage. Mm. Uh, but that, that, but you know, the years before that, thirty-three yeah. homers, twenty-eight homers, twenty-seven homers. I think that like two eighty might be kind of like the height of where his batting averages could be expected to be. But you can do a lot worse than that too. You can do a lot worse than like say two seventy, twenty-five homers, like a four sixty slugging percentage. Like it's not bad for an outfielder. Yeah, no, n- not bad at all for uh but yeah, it's definitely not he's not going to get paid what he believed he would his worth is sort of just because of, you know, especially when your power goes down. But also like I feel like like City Field is big. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and he's a lefty and you really have yeah, it's 
it's it's a it's a big you know if he was a lefty in, in Yankee Stadium, boom, he probably his power numbers are probably like jump like crazy if he goes from Queens to the Bronx, you know. Yeah, I mean, some place that he can really just pull the ball like that. That's yeah, you're right. Um, he has an old man skill set though. For like he's twenty, he was twenty eight for last year. He has he seems kind of old to me for somebody who's still under thirty years old. Like because he doesn't really steal bases. He doesn't really hit a lot, but he draws a lot of walks, and yeah. he, you know, he hits some home runs, and he seems like he's kind of a like a smart hitter. Um, yeah, he could potentially be more of, like, if his power numbers came up, he could potentially be in, like, Joey Gallo territory, where you're going to get on base, and you're going to blast some home runs out, so you're slugging, and your, like, OPS and, you know, your WRC Plus are going to be higher because you're hitting out, especially, like, you know, there's a lot of people that, like, hate on Joey Gallo, which I've never understood. Um, especially give Joey Gallo a full season in Yankee Stadium. His power number is going to be insane in 2022. Like, a lefty Yankee Stadium. So, like, yeah. So, I feel like he could be, like, a Joey Gallo light if he starts to figure out how to, you know, hit for more power. Especially with getting on base as much as he does. Well, power-wise, yeah. But he does, I think he does make a little bit too much contact. Then yeah, it might be Gallo. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild how Gallo is like either a walk or a home run. <laughs> yeah, and I think that I feel like I I I I would not enjoy watching Gallo play on a regular basis. I would just be like, oh, he's gonna strike out again every time he comes up. <laughs> I think I would just yeah. get a little fed up with that. It's true, but then again, it's like if you, if you look at like a 2017 Aaron Judge season, he struck out over 200 times, but he also walked like almost 150. So things start to sort of even out a bit if you're if you are getting on base and you are hitting them out, you know. But strikeouts Those two should not be in the same lineup with that many strikeouts. That's oh, it's like, insane. And you adding in Stanton, like they just they didn't know how to, they don't know how to construct the lineup properly when you have a lot of just like 200 strikeouts, um, maybe maybe 40 home run type guys, and you know they'll occasionally like Gallo's gonna walk probably more than both Stanton or. Uh, Judge, but Judge is also very patient too. But yeah, that's three very similar guys, like back to back to back. You know who they're missing? They're missing Mark Reynolds, who's not on this list because I think he retired. But mm-hmm. that is the same. Like they're missing a prime Mark Reynolds, forty-four home run season or something like that. There, yeah, with like the most strikeouts ever. <laughs> like, so where do you think Conforto goes? Yeah, I'm thinking that like he's, he may go to the Chicago Cubs. Like I just right. think. Put him, put him in that outfield. Put him in a smaller ballpark. Put, I don't know, like not much pressure. This like a, there was like a lot of pressure on the Mets because people thought the Mets were gonna be great. You know, you have you know you have Cohen come in and then they make all these trades and they get Lindor. So I don't know, maybe just some place where the pressure's sort of off, small ballpark, uh, in, intense fan base, but like a, like a good fan base. It's not like a fan base that's gonna be like. You know you're gonna want to boo because they boo you. So like, what you're saying is he's not going to Philly, is what you're saying. No, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't <laughs> think a fan, a fan base is gonna want to murder him. Uh, no. So I, I think I don't know. Like the Cubs seem, the Cubs seem quiet right now, and it's because like we were talking about, you know, sort of um, what what happened with you know all the trades that they made. Uh, you know, they're getting younger. They're getting youthful. So maybe somebody you want to bring in sort of like a, a more veteran presence with the, like, cause this is going to be like a lot of young, young new names on the Cubs coming up that, you know, to bring like the North side back to glory because, you know, 
that's a team that, like, everybody thought was going to be, like, the Yankees of the 90s, where it was, like, they had all this talent and they were just going to win championships and sort of just only won their one in 2016 and got lucky, too. Got lucky that they won that one, that that rain delay happened. A lot of different things could have happened in that Game 7. Um, so got lucky that they won it, but their window closed quickly. So I think now you have the, you know, you have Jed Hoyer trying to like open it back up with a lot yeah. of talent. So why not bring in, you know, a Michael Conforto to help you maybe win? I can see that. That's, I think, I personally think that it's going to be a little bit, I don't think the Cubs would pay him what, what he, he wants. wants and yeah. I don't think that the Cubs are ready to compete yet. So that's mm. sort of where I'm at with that. That being said, I could see him going to a team like the White Sox, mm. who are competing right now. I think that they have a little yeah. bit of room at the outfield that they could use him with. So I could say kind of, and they're, they're, you know, like he's somebody that they could sign for a few years. You pencil him in as your left fielder if it goes well. Mm-hmm. You know, give him like four years or something like that. Now, he did get a qualifying offer made to him, so. Yeah, like you know. that's that's going to fudge up a, some, a lot of people with these qualifying offers, whether or not you think, like, they're really worth it. Like, is he is Michael Conforto worth getting your third-round pick? I, I, I remember. Yeah. I don't know. 27, we have Anthony Rizzo. The uh, the guy that uh, a loud minority of the Red Sox wanted oh. to trade Tristan Cassis for. Oh, uh, my God. Bailey and I were both driven to a form of madness around this about around the uh the trade deadline just with some of the um the discussions around who the Red Sox should trade for on Twitter, um, and mm. what they should give up. And because, oh. you know, they needed a first baseman at the time. This was before Bobby Dahlbeck um discovered steroids or whatever happened in the second yeah. half. Whatever he juiced, you know. Yeah, whatever. Even if it was just like Kyle Schwarber being like, Hey, let me give you a back massage, this is how to hit. Um <laughs> But anyway, they needed a first baseman. Rizzo ends up going to the Yankees, who didn't really need a first baseman as much at the time. Not at all. <laughs> Schwarber was hurt when the Red Sox first got him, so he didn't really play for a couple weeks. And then Rizzo went rip shit for a bit, and then was, you know, kind of himself after that. Um, yeah, he went so. rip shit against shit-ass teams. Like, you know, you have, like, him going off against the Marlins, and then you have Tony Maz, like straight up tweeting like, oh, look at what the Red Sox get ahead. I'm like, Maz, it's the frigging, like, it's the Marlins. And then he went cold because he's just not that great anymore. It's a small sample size, and anything can happen for a short period of time. That's why nobody mm-hmm. takes the stats from 2020 particularly seriously. Exactly. So what's interesting, though, is that Rizzo did almost the same thing with the Yankees as he did with the Cubs, and I think that that's – you know, it's, it, that's a describer of the player he is right now. He had 248, 344 on base percentage, 440 slugging percentage, 22 home runs. Doesn't strike out a ton. He struck out 87 times over 576 plate appearances. And he's a good fielder. He's a yep. gold glove caliber fielder. So there is value in that. Oh, he's not sure. a candidate by any means. He's not somebody that you can anger your offense around. But he can play, you know, and yeah. at first base. You know, that defense, if you can hit a little bit, that goes a long way. It makes all the other fielders better when you have somebody that good at first base. And he is a he is a very good fielder. I think Rizzo's going back to the Yankees, by the way. I, I do, think, too. Uh, I think they that, gave up I, a lot for him. And they're and stupid. I think he liked it there. And, and this is going to be in your stupid, 
New York Yankees, and I love every minute of it because if you non-tender Voight, so stupid, and then I can be a Voight fan because I low-key like Voight a lot. He is better than Rizzo, so please, 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 please re-sign Rizzo, New York Yankees, and please, please, please let uh, Voight non-tender him, do something, let him wind up at somewhere else and have it bite you in the big old behind. Please do it. <laughs> please. <laughs> That's Rizzo. Number 26 is, mm-hmm. um, and I think some people might want to have this guy higher on the list than I put him in for mine. So this is, I'm just, uh, going to say this was my choice to have him as high up as he was. Ross, Rossiel Iglesias. There is one reliever that we have ahead of him mm-hmm. on this, um, but Iglesias has had a good career. He's older than I thought he was. I, he's 32 now, which I feel mm. like. I feel like he hasn't been around that long, but yeah, he it, has. It, was it was it also did he pitch in uh Cuba for a while? I think so. I know he yeah. was a Cuban pitcher. Um, yeah, so that could be why, you know, sometimes they tend to be a little bit older because they did pitch in Cuba before they defected. Yeah. Um yeah. he's been good. I always saw him Wait. as being kind of an unreliable arm, but he's has a career ERA of three point oh six. His career whip is one point zero nine four. Um that that's that's what you want for your closer. You know, you want him to be that lights-out guy. He was yeah. even better last year. Struck out 103 people over 70 innings, 34 saves, 2.57 ERA. Like, he's he was filthy for a crappy team. Another Angels player there. Yeah, and he was, like, low-key when I went to those Angels games. And uh, it was like, the like you know, they won two out of three. He was low-key so stoked to be, like, winning against the Red Sox that you would have thought that he had just won, like, game seven of, like, the World Series. Well, that's good. Again, you want that energy out of your closer. So he's a – Yeah. It's hard to ra- – and you see it in the playoffs how important bullpen is. But mm. so for the regular season, 162 games, ah, closer is important, but – not as important as a start as good starting pitching. Yeah, and especially if you're getting sort of into uh, the idea of matchups versus like a legit closer, which the Red Sox sort of started doing after you know uh, Matt Barnes proved to be ineffective, whether it was he was getting in his own head or his mechanics. Like they started to play the matchups well, and like sometimes matchups can play you really well. So it's like the idea of like the legit closer could sort of be you know going away a little bit. It's interesting, though, that you mentioned Barnes' struggles in particular, and I, I think, yeah, we do lean on a lot of Red Sox things because that's what we're familiar with, yeah. but I think Barnes is kind of a good case in point for both the importance of a good of having a closer, because when he was on, the Red Sox were really, oh, yeah. really, really good the first half sure. of the season. He was an all-star. You're not wrong. He was <laughs> one of the best relievers for about a two-month period. He was like, it was, it was like he had used, like, the God Mode sheet or something in, mm-hmm. in the video it was he was friggin' unhittable. He was barely throwing any balls. Um, and then you know what always happens to Matt Barnes is mm. he gets overused and he gets tired and he gets in yeah. his own head and he starts getting lit up. So it took a little bit longer this year. He was a little more aggressive early in the year, mm-hmm. but that him losing his closer spot though kind of messed up the rest of the pit. So Adam Adovino gets forced into the closer spot. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do that well, because he's also kind of gassed at this point. Oh, yeah. They, they end up having to use Hansel Robles there. Um, the pen was just was just torn up at this point. Um, yeah. And they were able to kind of salvage it, thanks in part to Garrett, the existence of Garrett Whitlock. Um, and Hansel Robles happened to go on an 
absolutely fantastic run the last month of the season. But Barnes falling out of that closer spot really disrupted the entire bullpen. So I do think that there is this kind of a roundabout way of getting to this, but I do think that there is a value to having that stable closer. It's just something that's also possible to bounce back from if you have enough other good relievers. Yeah, so where do you think Iglesias signs? Um, I think, you know, honestly, I think he's probably going to stay in, in Anaheim. I think they're, they may throw, uh, too much money at him because especially with them being like he was good for them, they know it's pitching, pitching, pitching. You saw how they drafted all peace. Like, you know, they, 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 they're desperate for pitching. So I think they will overpay to have an elite reliever while also probably trying to go out and add one or two you know, free agents to their mix. Yeah, I uh, I actually agree with you that he's going to stay with the Angels because I think he's going to have I – th- I believe they offered him a qualifying offer. Yeah, they did offer him yeah. one. Okay, yeah, almost the same. So ma- I, I don't think there are going to be very many teams that would be willing to give up the draft pick to get him. I think that there are very few relievers that you do that for. Mm-hmm. So I think that it makes sense for him to go back for a year with the uh, with the Angels, and maybe they offer him a multi year deal or something. But I, yeah, uh, especially you take that qualifying offer at eighteen four, dude. That's a lot of, that is a shitload of money for a closer. That's more than Kimball's Kimball's the sixteen million. Yeah. So damn, I take that if I'm him. I take it. I have another elite season. I already got eighteen point like four in the bank, and then I go out and get like a couple years. Like to me, that's like makes stupid sense if I'm him. So at twenty five. Um, we have Steven Matz, so, yeah, uh, Matz. Who's already been linked to the Red Sox, you know, sort of, interestingly enough, we've sort of been, you know, the, the little trickles, uh, you know, the Red Sox have been already linked to him, and that makes sense, Red Sox looking for, like, a 4-5 or five guy. And that know? is exactly what Matz is right now. He had Tommy John surgery about 10 years ago, um, mm. He's had some injury issues throughout his career, and he had a career just horrible 2020. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Ended up with the Jays and ended up not really being guaranteed much of a role, but having a good spring training, making the rotation, and having a good year. He had a 3.82 ERA, 29 starts. Uh, His strikeout and walk rates were league average, and he's left-handed. He was uh, throwing 94 miles an hour. For most of the season, there were only six lefties in the league to throw harder than that consistently. Um, so, you know, there's there's certainly value in that. Now, um, I'm somebody with his kind of arm history makes me very nervous, but I don't think that you can deny that the talent isn't there. You know, like he's a he's a good mid rotation arm if he's healthy. <laughs> I think that's a big thing. So that's why I think somebody like Matt and Cobb, like if you were thinking Red Sox, I think they could go sort of interchangeable where they're not, you know, because they, they feel very similar, obviously right-handed versus yeah. left-handed, but they feel like that, that mid to back end guy that like somebody like the Red Sox could yeah. um, really be looking for. I, I didn't say that he was going to go to the Red Sox. I actually, I, I said the other Sox, I said like the White Sox. You know, oh, yeah, because like the, the big question is like, I think I don't necessarily know if Rodon's going to go back. So, you know, you sort of because I think he's going to be looking for a lot of money, whether or not there's a durability factor to Carlos Rodon. Uh, I don't I, I think he gasses out at the end of the season. So I don't necessarily know if I uh, my favorite team, I'd want to be the one that's going to overpay for him. But Matt's like, I feel like just go go over to the south side. 
so it'll set, settle into that rotation. Be, uh, you know, like there is a lot of talent on that team. Sort of just go there, and you know, I think I think he would settle in nicely with with the South Side. I think that that's sad logic. I think, however, he's going to be going to the Angels. Hey, because would it not be the most Angels thing you can imagine if they sign him for a bunch of money and then he immediately gets hurt? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I hope they wouldn't sign him for a bunch of money. <laughs> like, I hope that, uh, you know, like, the, the, eventually as we go on to this list, um, the guy that I have going to, to the Angels is also somebody who's like, durability-wise, oh, will he be, you know, and so that, that makes sense, like, that Oh, is that the next guy on our list? Oh, it's like, who do Another durability guy who's never, at number 24. Oh, no, no, no. Did, did I have him on my list? I was like, I don't even know if I, actually put him on my actual list. I think we may have differed on that one. Oh, interesting. Oh, Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I completely forgot that he was, that the next guy on our list was actually a free agent. <laughs> he had a good year, though. He did have a good year. He did. He did. So, so yeah. the next guy on the list, you can, you have this one. Yeah, so we had, we had Alex Wood next on this list. Clearly, I completely forgot about Alex Wood. So sorry, Alex. Alex went from, you know, Southern California up to Northern California, you know, left the Dodgers and then, uh, went to, you know, really help out, uh, the craziness that was the San Francisco Giants. It's, it's unfortunate they didn't go deeper than they did with, you know, having the love of my life, Gabe Kapler at the helm. But yeah, no, you were right. He had some pretty good numbers. 10 and 4, 3 and 3 ERA, 152 strikeouts and 100, and he pitched pretty well, 138 and two thirds innings. Um, shit, only 39 walks. Yeah, the, the control, considering that guy's herky jerky wind up, That's that kind of surprised me that he was so consistent with the, with the yeah. strikes. Let's go to the Padres in conclusion. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, yeah, no, no, I mean, that makes sense to me, would go into the Padres makes a lot of sense, because it would really help round out that rotation, it could potentially be, a, again, potentially on paper, a formidable five. Um, so staying in the NL West, we actually have John Gray at number 23, mm-hmm. uh, Gray being the, one of the longer tender members of the Rockies, he has, uh, you know, not the sexiest numbers, uh, 4.59 ERA for his career, 11.1 career war, but he's done this all in Colorado, which is the worst place to possibly pitch. I don't know if he, I don't think we know what the real John Gray is at this point, but that he's managed to have a few decent years in Colorado, that he hasn't really gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. I think that he could be a real steal. I think that uh, pot- I think that his potential is going to play much better outside of the Rockies. I think he's going to be a mid innings eating mid rotation innings eater. He's yeah. going to he, he's going to be a workhorse for somebody once he gets out of there. I'm interested to see what his numbers outside court. You know, you put him especially you put him in like a warm climate. If you if the Angels the Angels should really go after somebody like John Gray. So if yeah. you have. If you if they really invest in him, like you said, there's a durability factor. So like maybe go after the durable guys, um, uh, Anaheim. I'm gonna always refer to you as Anaheim. I still want to call you California. I'm gonna refuse to call you Los Angeles. Just that's how well, it goes. it's just it's always been a stupid name. I'm sorry. I think we oh. talked about this last week too. I'm okay talking about this every single week until <laughs> it stops being a thing. But it's stupid. Why would you be the Los the the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? That's like like saying it's like. Oh well, they're the they're the New England Patriots of Boston in Foxborough. Like, yeah, it's so dumb. What the fuck does that even mean? Like, there's nothing associated with the city of Boston. They're not playing there. They've never played there. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Call them Anaheim or California. Just call them California. Give something for the whole state to root for. And I I always liked when they were the California Angels. Uh, And then going to Anaheim at least made sense. Like, they're in Anaheim. Like, hardcore in Anaheim. Like, feet away from Disneyland in Anaheim. (laughs) Yeah, I'm... I'm strongly with you on the John Gray at Anaheim, honestly. Yeah. That makes that just it just makes too much sense for him not to go there. Yeah, like a like a nice warm climate. Um you're gonna yeah, you know you're always gonna be at least when you're home, you're gonna be pitching in perfect I think they've had one rain out in like the last ten years. Like you're gonna you're gonna show up, you're gonna pitch, you're gonna pitch in a really nice uh environment, a great climate, pretty good stadium. You're, again, Southern California. So, yeah, like, Angels, maybe overpay for John Gray, because especially if, like, just to see what his numbers are going to be outside of pitching, you know, your home games at course. Kind of interesting. Overpay all day John Gray. I'm with you. I like it. I like it. It, it rhymes. So, like, uh, what more What more do you need? I think that that is the most – I think that if it was alliterative, that's the only way it could be better. Mm-hmm. So we get uh, our first of two nigh uh, 40-year-old players coming up next. Uh, mm-hmm. First at number 22, Mr. Justin Verlander. Yep, yep. Or and Mr. Kate Upton, as he is known to some. Yeah, yeah. Me. Yeah, I love how you wrote that from Mr. Kate Upton. He is um, Mr. Kate Upton. He is, he is. Um, he, he's made a lot of money over his career, but I low-key believe that she may she may have more money in the bank. Oh, <laughs> like, it's he is baseball's equivalent of Tom Brady. That that talking about doing yeah. again here in yeah. that he also wants to be MLB's Tom Brady. He's saying he wants to pitch till he's like forty five exactly. after coming back from a Tommy John surgery. So that's I mean that's risky for anybody. But there have been some pitchers that have been successful into their forties. I look at somebody like Roger Clemens. I believe Warren Spahn was pitching into his forties. Um, yeah. Randy Johnson was and. Verlander's probably a future Hall of Famer, so it's kind of like, okay, well, we're talking about, like, some of the best pitchers ever. Well, you know, I don't know if Verlander's there yet, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that he's still hitting 96 miles an hour in his fastball. I think he knows how to pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he just had his um, sort of showcase, and he was hitting 96 on the gun. Uh, The Red Sox were there. Like, the Yankees were there. Uh, I think, like, yeah. I think I read 15 to 20 teams or something yeah, like that. So like, yeah, like, uh, most of Major League Baseball, because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't yeah. you show up? Yeah, like, he's he was offered um, he was offered a qualifying offer. Yes, so I think and that's what makes things tricky. I don't think, I just don't think he's going to be with Houston. I really don't. I, um, yeah, that's, that's like, I, because I, I think he thinks he's good enough for a two-year deal. I think he's going to, like, maybe try and convince teams to give him a chance. And, like, really, but it's so tough because you are coming off Tommy John. Again, money isn't, money's always a factor, but money isn't a factor. You've made a lot of money. Your wife is rich as shit. Um, So you have a a rich environment that you already are. So do you take an 18.4, because you're like, that's 18.4, to stay on Houston? Houston's still going to be competitive. So you're like, I'm going to be on a competitive team. I'm going to be making 18.4 million. I'm going to prove to you that I can still do this to maybe try and get, like, a two-year deal from another team. Or are you going to, you know, decline, you know, that and just, really hope that another team's going to give you one or two and also have to give up a draft pick because they're they're believing that you're going to, you know, what a thir- like a 38-year-old, 39-year-old Justin Verlander is going to bring it like he did. But it's funny because like Verlander was great 
struggled for a little while, like struggled in his like mid thirties and then sort of started to like figure it out again into his late thirties. So are you going to trust that he has figured it out? He can still hit 96 on the gun and he knows how to pitch that like, you're like, he's going to be fine. Like bring him in, bring him into my, I want to, I want to give him, I want to give up the, the draft pick. So it's, that's the big thing is like attaching that draft pick is, is, a, is an actual aspect of like whether or not teams are going to want to invest in Justin Verlander. He could lead a team. That's the thing, though. He really yeah, could. Absolutely. You're just taking, you're taking a risk with it. Of course, it's like it's like a risk that like we we take it back to our favorite team. Is it a risk that I'm like go for it, <laughs> go for it, Jesus? I'm not gonna say don't go for it, but at the same time, you're like, especially if you get like you know you sort of say you get like Justin Verlander and you 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 don't sign him and then you face him in the ALCS and you're like fuck, I should have signed him, you know. Right. Like those are the those are the things that sort of go through your head. When who, who do you think goes for him though? Who do you think signs him? I I low-key love to see him go back to Detroit. Like especially if Correa goes there, he goes. The, Hinch is already there. He's got the Detroit roots, you know. Or but I've also said like, does he go? I was also thinking, does he go to Philly? Because mm. DD's there. Is DD like I want my I want my boy? Like I drafted, I developed him. I know who he is. I know he's Justin Verlander. I think we're close. Like, you know, I want, I want to have the stud pitcher to go with, like, my stud outfielder. Like, we're, we're going to. Zach Wheeler. Wheeler had a great year, too. That gives them, and with Nola, that gives them a legit one, two, three. Exactly. So a part of me was thinking, damn, it, like, I would love to see Detroit, but, like, Didi might, like, Didi's spending. Didi might just be like, who can, Didi's like, I don't care about the draft pick. I want Justin Berlin or I'm on a team again. And you're right. That could be a solid three in Philly. I think Atlanta. I'd love Atlanta, too. I mean, I love Atlanta. Seems like, seems like they're kind of win now sort of thing. They put him with Morton. They put him with Freed. Damn, that could be put a good. Him with Ian Anderson. Damn, that's a good four. Right. Yeah, and then the Braves are going to be getting back. Uh, uh, they'll be getting back Acuna Junior. So and like getting back that pitcher that keeps burning out his ACL. Oh God, you're right, Kill God. I hope that doesn't. You know what I'm talking about? Soroka. Soroka. So literally. Why am I forgetting his name? Right. I wonder if is, is it this drink we're drinking? The elixir. This memory eraser. Yeah. So I so literally, they won the World Series without Soroka and without Acuna Jr. That is insane. And with that's like, great. <laughs> like the Braves have been such an underrated team for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Like you look at who They're they have in the better. Right yeah, oh, they are. They're when Dancy Swanson is like is a weak spot in your batting order, yeah, and, and he's giving you like that Gold Glove level defense, and he still hit like twenty seven home runs this year. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that the, the, the problem with Dancy Swanson is that he went one one, so we we sort of have this like one one tag to him. Yeah, like, and I think that's literally the problem. It's not that he Dancy Swanson is a solid, damn good shortstop. He hits some big home runs for them. Yeah. He's, he's a, a gold glove caliber fielder. Like, his, his girlfriend is a badass soccer player, like, who he's totally in love with. I want somebody to love me the way Dansby loves Mallory Pugh. Like, he is damn. obsessed with her, but, like, it's in kind of a sweet way, not a terrible Oh, in, like, uh, he genuinely loves her way, which yeah. is, like, adorable. You know who I genuinely love? Who do you genuinely love? Number 21 on this list, uh, Nelson Cruz. Oh, God, Nelly is so hard to pick where he's going to end up. It really is, because he could help. You know he's signing a one-year contract wherever yeah. he goes. Yeah. And you know that it, it, it it's not going to be a National League team unless they change things. 
Like, as much as I love Nelly, definitely a DH. He cost the, the Texas Rangers an entire World Series because of his defense. Yeah, also, on Ron Washington, why was he in right field at that I point in the game? No, should never have been there. So, but, so that's um, also, that's on Washington. <laughs> he, sure, he sure can hit, though. Like, mm-hmm. He, 265, uh, 334, 497, 32 home runs. Insane. He's, At, well, and he's He's a right-handed David Ortiz. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, That's the thing about Ortiz. Ortiz could still be hitting out there if his feet didn't give out on him. He pretty much said oh, that. Oh, yeah. No, like, he said, my feet. If I, you know, if I didn't, you know, if I could just like, get new feet, I'd still yeah. be playing baseball, you know? <laughs> I think he's going back to the Mariners, by the way. Cruise. Oh, do you? I'd yeah. love that. I'd love that. I was thinking maybe going back to the Twins. Like so he, we definitely think that there is a reunion in sight. So why would like, he go back yeah. to the Twins? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Just, what the hell? Why not? I mean, if the, but he's got to go to a competitor, no? Like, a contender. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, that's the weird thing is, like, do, what's going on? Like, everybody thought the Twins were going to compete in 2021, so, like, what the F is going on with the Twins? Yeah. Do we think that they can figure it out? Do we think if you bring back a cruise? I mean, I wouldn't hate him. The, the idea of the Mariners is great, because I have somebody else, uh, I have a big free agent as we get up the list going oh. to the Mariners. So, like, it, because I think they're going to have, they, they got so damn close. So damn close. It's been, like, 20 plus years since they've tasted the postseason. I, Safeco, now T-Mobile, amazing ballpark. City of Seattle, in incredible freaking city. So I, I want them Seattle. to, yeah, I just want them to go out and spend, like, I want the Seattle Mariners to just go out and spend for their fans, for that city. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't hate that. That that makes a lot of sense if he went back. The next one is, um, I, I had a very hard time placing where he's going to go, and this is Eduardo Escobar. I feel like cause he's like, <laughs> you know. I just feel like because he seems kind of like, I, just, I don't know, I don't really like know, t- like, I feel like he's like the under the radar guy that I don't really know too much about, but he's been there. Like, you know, he's 32. He's sort of, he's been in baseball for a while, but I sort of, you know, don't know. But like you said, he's like, he's had a high of 35 home runs in 2019, you know, 28 in 2021. And he's going to, he's going to hit you some, he's going to hit you some home runs, but like, he yeah, played we, the infield, though. There aren't that yeah. many, like, really good non-shortstop free agents this year. That is a good point. That is a good point. So, like, does does the Ned Wado Escobar sort of fit with the Red Sox? I don't know. but um, You'd have to put him at second base there. He's not going to play over Rafi at third. Oh, absolutely so not. Yeah. That's why I put him actually going to uh, a rival of the Red Sox. I put him going to, to Toronto. I... Put the exact same thing in. <laughs> because I think they're losing, I, I mean, like, you know, it's like, are they going to lose Semyon? I, you know, there's part of me that thinks that, like, Semyon may stay, but then he could go. So I flip-flop on, I flip-flop on Semyon. But if you do lose Semyon, I feel like that's, that's a place where. That's a good backup for that. We'll get to Semyon later, who is much higher on this list. Yes. Uh, I have a lot of things to say about Mr. <laughs> uh you love him. <laughs> for me, yeah. So yeah, I think like Eduardo. I mean, Eduardo Escobar could sort of just you know go north of the border and have a damn good, again another great city. Yeah. Shit ballpark, but the shit ballpark is in a great part of the city. That's how I look. <laughs> great, like literally where where that like where it is where Rogers Center is is such an awesome part of like have Toronto. Have you been to Toronto very much? Yeah, I've been. Um, 
I've been to Toronto a couple times. I've only been to to Rogers once, but I've been to the city of Toronto uh, about three times, and I love it. It's one of my favorite cities. I I actually got sent there for work back in 2018. I was in mm-hmm. Toronto when the Red Sox won the World Series that year. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Uh, so I did not get to celebrate quite as much <laughs> as everybody else did, but um. You know, I I love the stadium there. I kind of have a soft spot for, like, indoor stadiums. Um, I just, just felt because... claustrophobic in it, and it wasn't – I've been in – I've been in Marlins Park when it's been shut. So, I don't know. I just felt like, like, it was sterile, and that's kind of what bothered me. There's, like, this sterile aspect to it. But you can't beat the damn views. When they open that goddamn thing, the CN Tower yeah, is right, right there. The CN Tower. It's, it's great. Good. Again, it is a perfect freaking location. <laughs> You know what's interesting, though, speaking of Toronto, I've got my ne- the next guy on the list lined at signing with Toronto. Oh, do you? That's Anthony Descalfani. Funny. Oh, who did it? Like, let me see where would I put Descalfani at. Oh, I put Descalfani as potentially going to Seattle. Oh, I was thinking. I'm thinking Seattle's just trying to, like you said, I think Seattle's going to be spending. I think Seattle's going to be going for it. Um, you, Like you said, Descalfani had... Damn good season, 13-7, ERA, 1.09 whip. You know, he pitched 162 and two-thirds innings. You know, like, people aren't really – it's tough to – pitchers aren't going as deep as they used to. No. So getting close-ish to 200 innings and, like, 167 and two-thirds is, like, is good. So he was durable for the season. So I think, like, I think like a team like Seattle could just be like, man, we're going to really try and spend – and we're gonna we're gonna do it, and hopefully it's it's gonna be really tough to compete in the West. Like, and I think they know that because especially you have Houston like pretty much leading that division, so it's tough. But I think they think that they're like we can compete with them if we make the right you know moves this off season. And fuck it, we're gonna go for that wild card. We got so damn close. I mean, you think that they're gonna have to? They're gonna have to, you know? Yeah, like they. I well, think for their fans, they need to do some moves. Seattle needs pitching, though. Oh, not Seattle, yeah. sorry. Um, Toronto needs you're right. pitching as well. You're, you're right. And Toronto's going to need somebody. I don't know if they, they already have, they already spent a lot of money on Ryo, who's a legit ace when he's healthy. They, absolutely. That was such and a good signing for healthy. Yep, they have Barrios. I think they have Barrios for one more year. One more year. Uh, so yep, I, yep, think yep. The, I think that they bring in Descalfani so that. It's a good three. Yeah, he's a good three, and he can serve. We'll see how he does, but maybe he can serve as a number two or something if Barrios signs elsewhere or if Ryu falls off a little bit. And then adding Despofani could be great. It could, if they get mm-hmm. him. I could see what you're saying with Seattle, though, also. So, that brings us to an interesting one, and this is one that I want you to read the name for, too, because this is you yeah. have been the biggest advocate for this player, I think, I that I know. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, I've uh, I've caught and I've gotten flack for it. I was a big... Um, person that kept saying just really look at his peripherals the Red Sox defense was not good this year uh that's a a thing that the Red Sox need to need to address um so he got like batting average and balls in play he got like whipped like to shit with like with like little dinky hits here and there and then things going through because whether or not the shift or your defense doesn't really have the range or your defense has made an error if you like really look at his peripherals his peripherals were really good compared to an atrocious era and like i'm not lying it was an atrocious era (laughs) like you know um yeah he had a 474 era but he pitched 157 and two-thirds innings 
But yeah, the the peripherals really show that he is a three. He's always been a three. I think the the moniker of Eddie Aces sort of also Never an ace. Exactly. Never an ace. So like Cora calling him that and being like he's gonna be our opening day starter. Those are like high expectations on a guy who's a, a number three. He showed how well he pitched in these playoffs. He pitched damn well. There's also been rumors about tipping pitches. So I think he is so much better than that ERA. I think he is like a damn solid three. If you sign him for three money at three, um, like I want it. I like, I, there's a part of me that doesn't, the Red Sox, it's been, a, it's, it's come out that the Red Sox have, obviously they did the qualifying offer because it makes sense. If you lose him, you get your, you get your draft pick, but they've also, it came out that he, they also offered him a multi-year contract. So whether or not he takes that, it's on the table. So the Red Sox, I've already showed interest in wanting to bring him back. I think he wants to be here. He has like a father-son relationship with Alex Cora. He's won here. He knows he's better. I, and I'm just afraid that he's going to go elsewhere and have like that solid three season and Red Sox fans are going to be pissed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You wanted him out of town. You, you, you wanted to like buy him the plane ticket to send him somewhere. So I, I personally think that he's going to stay here. I think he wants to stay here. I think the Red Sox want to stay here. I don't think they should overpay. I think they should pay him like a three. And, uh, I think he is a three. Bring him back. Bring him home. Keep him home. Do you think, so you think he takes a multi-year offer? He doesn't take the qualifier offer? I think so. If there's a multi-year offer there and it's not like low-balling you, it's not like what, um, what five years, 70 million that they were like to what, uh, John Lester and he says, uh, eat me. Uh, yeah. Well, if, it, if it's not a low-ball offer and I don't th- I think I am smarter than that. I am not going to try to low-ball you. If it's a, if it's a, it's a really good fair offer, I think he takes it. I don't think, I don't know why you wouldn't take it. Especially you were just in the ALCS. You know how pitch well you pitched. Like, where are you going to go that's going to offer you uh, a chance, the fair money, to win and to keep stay in the same uniform that you've been in your entire career? So, as much as I would like that to happen, I think uh, he's going to Detroit. Oh, Detroit, okay. Yeah, I think that he, he makes sense for what the Tigers are trying to build. He's a battle-tested number three type that can go well with, you know, the Mises and the Mannings of the world. And he can carry his weight, but he also doesn't have to be the ace there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's the lefty, and they don't really have that. So I think that, that I think that he's going to Detroit for that reason. But I would love for him to come back to Boston. I've always enjoyed watching him pitch. He's, you know, uh, he myocarditis was scary, and I'm glad that he seems to be back in full strength from that. That's like people forget about that too when they were like, "Oh, he's struggling." I'm like, this dude like couldn't walk. For like yeah. six months, like literally. Like, are you forgetting walk. this? Like, are you forgetting what he went through because he got COVID? People just and a lot of people looked at his 2019. You know, he had like 19 wins on the verge of like 20 wins, and people being like rah rah rah, and people just look at wins so much. I was like, there was a lot of his peripherals that are better in 2021 than they were in 2019. Yeah. So he's gonna be good. He's still, you know, he's still under 30. But like you said, yeah, if he does leave. I'm not going to be like super mad about it because I know I trust Haim and I trust that Haim can replace him with somebody equally as good, potentially better. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Detroit seems like a, a good landing spot for him too, especially like AJ Hinch and what he's trying to do there, what he's trying to build. It makes sense. Number 17 is none other than our last reliever on the list. It is, uh, and from what I've heard from Dodgers fans, they're not the, uh, <laughs> As hot on this guy as I am, but uh, 
Kenley Jansen. Yeah, Dodgers fans have, like, a big love-hate relationship with him. I don't understand how you can hate a closer with 350 saves and a 2.370 RA, like, for his career. Yeah. That's that's really, 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 really good. I think it's just because there's been situations where he was a little... But, again, it's like people forget that people are human. Is there a better reliever of his generation as far as consistency goes? Is there a better one than Kenley Jansen? Maybe the only one, like, cons- consistently, Craig Kimbrell. Like, outside Kimbrell. of, like... Kimbrell. He is in the same sentence as Kimbrell. He's in the same se- sentence as, like, a Chapman, maybe. One, like, Chapman's, like, elite yeah. years. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Um, I think of this generation, the the uh, the most consistent is probably Kimbrell, but, like, you're right, like, what hasn't Kenley Jansen done for the Dodgers, really? Yeah. A career 2.22 ERA. Like, yeah, it's... and he was your catcher. And yep. we were like, yeah, let's convert him to so like he converted to an elite closer. So whoever gets him is gonna get a damn good reliever. You know, I don't I don't necessarily think that he's staying in LA. Where do you think he's gonna end up? Oh I think he is gonna stay in LA. Oh do you? Okay. But he might but you know, I it's just because I can't imagine him anywhere else. I like yeah, you know that's what I mean? the problem. Like, that's the problem. If he ends up somewhere else, like I'll suddenly be able to imagine him there. I mean, what team needs a closer? You know, maybe the the, the Mariners. I don't know. Yeah, I was I was just thinking that he may end up to try to help the Bulls. Uh, granted, they have a closer with Will Smith down in Atlanta, but what if they were like, "Great, Will, you you did well for us, but we're gonna go get Kenley Jansen, and we're really going after this, and we're gonna you know we're gonna go back to back." Yeah. I mean, I could see the Braves. The other team I could see, I guess, the Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, the Blue Jays need bullpen help. And he's about as sure of a thing as you're going to get in that market. Yeah. yeah. But I could see the Braves, too. The Braves would kind of... Because I don't think Smith is, like... He's certainly not, like, an elite closer. He sort of became their closer. He sort of, like, became it, too. It wasn't like they were, like, going into, like... 2021 being like Will Smith, the other Will, the third Will Smith. The one that isn't the catcher. The one that's not the catcher or Will Smith. Like, you know, baseball is Will Smith. Um, Yeah, so it's like not, they expected going into like 2021 being like Will Smith's going to be our lockdown elite closer. Whereas they could go into 2022 being like, we've got Kenley Jansen. Boom. Like, so I think that could, especially, because I think, I think, um, I think that it, it's Anthopolis, right? Anthopolis has got, yeah, because yeah, he went from Toronto to there. I think he's gonna really just be like, I wanna, I wanna prove that like this wasn't fluky, blah, whatever it is, like that the '88 win team kind of gets in there. I like wanna, I wanna prove, I wanna bring, like you know, I wanna bring Freddie back. I wanna go out and I wanna get some good free agents and I wanna prove that we're we're gonna go back to the World Series. I think that that actually could. I think that they're gonna. I think they're gonna spend more money, be it on Freeman and some other stuff. I think yeah. Jansen could be east there. I hadn't even considered the Braves until you mentioned it, but I actually think that that does make some sense. Mm. I just like. Uh, it. I think it would be good down there. So number sixteen, and I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I put if this is too high or not, but I think that as far as pure hitters go, he's in the. He's certainly in the top ten for those guys, and that's Kyle Schwarber. Oh, man, you know, this, you, you you dumb, dumb Red Sox fans that questioned, questioned high and bloom, this dude can hit. <laughs> and oh, he, all boy, he did oh, boy, can he hit. And he hit for the Boston Red Sox. 
Um, the first base was a, was a little dodgy, but he did get better, which could only lead to if he works on it in the off season and he comes back in and he is, is going to be like a first baseman again, like, I think he can hold his own at that position. He like looks like a first baseman. He was a catcher. He's he can move around. He he's like got that like big like broad shoulders. Like he can be like a he he kind of looks like a Mike Napoli over there. Mike Napoli was new to first base. Like it, it can happen. You can adapt. I'm not expecting like gold glove caliber, but somebody that can hold his own at that position. But then just goes out and hits like a 900 OPS. Like, like I. Yeah, I, I don't have, really have very much to add to that. Although I would say I think he's a better hitter than Napoli. Oh yes, yes, I agree. He is much he's better than I realized he was. Um, I because do one hundred percent, one hundred percent. There's a type of hitter that they go in and they do not give a shit if they don't swing at a pitch if it's not theirs. They consider it a success. If they strike out on a pitch that wasn't theirs, mm-hmm. that is, I don't know how anybody manages to go into it with that mentality, but it's also the reason he had a 374 on base percentage this year. It's the reason he had 32 home runs. He has such a good knowledge of what he can hit and what he can't hit, and he sticks to his plan, and, you know, and like... They the go fa- far, and they hit hard, too. Uh, oh my god, yeah, he hits that, that home run off the cold. I saw his scrims. I was at the game where he hit that grand slam in the playoffs, and that oh, was were you? Jesus. that was. Re- I mean, I was sitting in kind of near there. I was on the same row as the Ted Williams seat. Uh, like oh, okay. Or whatever. So you saw it coming at you. Yeah, it didn't quite get that far, but he definitely hit it a good four hundred thirty. Like he could, that boy can rake, and yeah, he's gonna. Oh. He's still only twenty nine. Player with his skill set, as long as his as he can condition his hamstrings a little bit better, he'll play till he's in his late thirties at least. I mean, he'll put up good numbers. He might end up having to be in a platoon at some point, but he's he's as reliable as they come for as far as the bat goes. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I agree, and that's why I want him back. Uh, fuck it. If I you put him at first base for like twenty twenty two, I don't give a shit because that means when JD's gone after twenty twenty two, that's your DH and that's your DH of the future. And then you've got Casas, and then you you've got your future going. And I think it's just it makes stupid sense. I'll roll with him at twenty 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 two as my first baseman slash outfielder slash can DH. You know when JD thinks he can play the outfield or needs a day off. Um, yeah, I, I need, I need him back on the Boston Red Sox. I really do. Yeah, he, he adds that on base percentage in as well. So I think, yes. yeah, he's a good, I, I would pick him for, I think, I, I think that he just makes too much sense and Boston traded a decent prospect for him. So mm-hmm. I, I think he sounds like a three year deal with Boston. But then we've got somebody else, um, who could be beneficial for the Red Sox, um, at 15. We have super utility Swiss Army knife, uh, Chris Taylor. Do we need a, do we want another Taylor on the Red Sox? Maybe. Too many Taylors. Too many, many Taylors. Taylors. I, <laughs> you know, we've got, there's Chris, I mean, next, pretty soon we're going to want a Blake Taylor too. <laughs> They're going to want a Jake Taylor. They're going to want, want a Tyrone the Taylor. These are all, well, Jake Taylor's from the movie Major League, but the other ones are real Taylors. Um, oh, I take Jake Taylor on my team in a day. He can oh, catch yeah. oh, the leg. Sorry, Cora, but I'll take Jake Cora. I'll take Jake Cora. Jesus Christ. I'll take uh, Jake Taylor as my manager. He was right. a good replacement for Lou Brown. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, literally super utility, man. Like, this is like Kike on steroids, kind of. Because, like, I think people thought that Kike was kind of be 
utility, and then Kike just came, our center fielder. <laughs> like, boom, you're there. You're our guy. <laughs> I think that, unpopular opinion, I think Kike is better than Taylor, honestly. Ooh. I mean, Kike was insane in 2021. Like, his war was insane. He had a war comparable to Mookie Betts. And granted, Mookie Betts was hurt. We'll see what Mookie Betts can do in 2022. But, like, you can't take anything away from Enrique Hernandez yeah, in 2021. Yeah. Oh, he is awesome. But Taylor plays every position, plays mm-hmm. effectively. He can hit. He's not the greatest hitter ever. He hit 261, 343, mm-hmm. 461 last year. Uh, 16 homers, 10 stolen bases. He's hit 20 home runs before, but yeah. again, it's that versatility that has him this high on the list. He's not a better pure hitter than than Schwarber, you know, no. but he fills a role for a lot of teams. You can play him every day of the year. You can play him in a variety of positions, and he'll perform for you. So that's why he is where he is on this list. Yeah, no, for sure, and I think that's potentially, like, I have him going to the Red Sox just because – of the super utility aspect, but also because of, you know, I don't know. Like, it's weird because, like, I, I just feel like I had a lot of guys. Like, because I think that, again, the Red Sox are going to be interested in a lot of people. But I just, I don't know. I like the, the utility nature of him. Like, especially if you want to put, if you want to sort of change up your outfield a bit and you want to put, like, a Renfro on the trade block and, and think you can get a value for it, you can then switch up your, you know, your outfield and you can throw a Chris Taylor there or you can play him at second base. It's like you could do a lot with him. So I think it's just, I think that if, like, the price, granted, the price might be a little high, but if the price is right, I think it's somebody that Haim could be really interested in because, like, the Red Sox do like the idea of the utility guy and playing guys at multiple positions that sort of have that so like you, it comes back to like Kyle Schwarber. You can play Schwarber the outfield DH first base that we, we've learned. So it's like I think that the Red Sox and Cora and Bloom like the idea of like a super utility guy. So I think that potentially Chris Taylor could end up on the Red Sox. Are you ready for my crazy wild curveball theory for this where's, one for Taylor? Going Miami. Hey, I would love if Miami could kind of. Start because they're goddamn they're pitching, they're so pitching. So good. It could be it's so good. I know that supposedly they're gonna be trading some of it, but like why, dude? Like you, you could have a formidable damn rotation. I think soon. you trade some of that pitching for hitting. You still have a great one, two, three punch. You really do. You really do. You just have so much. I feel like she's been really smart down there yeah. with, with with that. Especially she made the uh, really good trade with. Um, didn't she get like a really good pitcher from? She got uh, from Marte. God, yeah. who the guys they got yeah, in that from Oakland? Really, he was uh, Lazardo. He's Zeus Lazardo. She got like a damn good pitcher. So she yeah. just was like hoarding all this, and whether or not it's the to do the strategy of then being like, all right, I'm gonna use some of it to get some good ass hitting here too, because like. Right, I think yeah. Taylor makes sense though because you could use him in a lot of different places for that yeah. team. Which I think if you're had, potentially convincing him that like we're gonna be good pretty damn soon and like he's already won but I mean it's not like you still want to win you know but yeah, yeah but you know like, maybe they pay him a little more money to lure him there you know yeah and say like look at this pitching we got here like we're gonna be really damn good and like you're a piece to help us be really really good yeah and they're in the uh god Christ they're in the NL East dude that yeah everybody's a contender for the East yeah they're like we could win this division <laughs> like 
I mean, they made the playoffs in 2020. It's a 60-game yeah. sample size, but the talent's, talent was there. It's still mm-hmm. there. They've got all that pitching. Sixto Sanchez didn't even pitch this year. You get him back healthy in your rotation? Him, Alcantara, yeah. Yeah, Alcantara. Um, who's that guy, Rogers or something? Yes, Rogers. What is like the Rock Rookie of the Year contender? Yeah, it's crazy. They do have some really talented pitching down there. So whether or not they trade some of it to bring in more talent or, yeah, like, I do. I like the idea of that. I really do. Not